Welcome to the Foreign Influence Podcast. I'm Bill. And I'm Nikolai. And we are here from sunny, sunny, hazy Singapore. Oh, it's not hazy at all, Bill. It's moderately hazy. All the stats, all the the official stats are absolutely correct. Absolutely, absolutely. And all those foreign websites and newspapers are wrong. It's not the worst pollution in the world. Nothing to see here, people. Please move on. Nothing to see here. There's so much wrongness with all the other numbers. So much. What are we talking about? We are talking about the occasional haze that descends upon all of Southeast Asia from burning of palm oil fields in Indonesia. And it starts to smell like a campfire, and the sun gets kind of a weird orange color, and and it's just delightful to breathe. It will be sort of fun and interesting, right? If you would be able to breathe and if you wouldn't cough all day and if you, you know, yeah, it's not the best. And your head just seizes up. Yeah, your eyes go all watery. It's like tear gas, but cozier. Yeah, because yeah. it smells like a campfire. Yeah. Right? And you know that the palm oil is right there in all the products that you've been using all day, from foods to shampoos to all kinds of things. Can you imagine living next to those fields, being a farmer? Oh, it's off the hook. We're complaining about it. Uh, There's this thing called PSI that they use here in Singapore, and bad levels are like 200. Right now, we're probably sitting somewhere in the upper 80s. It got pretty bad a couple of days ago, 120. The farmers and their kids who are burning the fields, they enjoy the 5,000s. Right. They're right on top of it. Yeah. And Uh, it's just breathing it all in. And, of course, this is cheaper for them to burn the fields than to mechanically clear the fields. So this is the only way they can make it economically viable for them, unless there was some system of international transfers, perhaps. But But, it has cleared up the last couple of days. Fortunately, right with the Grand Prix to Formula One starting here in Singapore. Right. That is coming up this weekend. Uh, We're going to have the race cars going. I've often wondered if that like damages the engines, right? These are precision devices. Oh, maybe. I have no idea. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. You know, though, it's fascinating to me. It is the quintessential example from economics of externalities, right? Right. So the the palm oil industry is dumping its garbage in our air. Now, we get cheaper palm oil, but the entire place pays for it because the costs are not contained in the product. So somehow you got to contain the costs in the product so that you can truly price the product. So palm oil is cheaper and therefore more more widespread than it would be because, again, the garbage is just dumped in the air. But cheaper palm oil, Bill. Come on. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes. What's not to like? I totally lost track of what the point of that whole <laughs> yeah. thing was. Capitalism. <laughs> yes, that was the point. What's wrong with Yes. You? So this is the lesson in 101 capitalism right here. <laughs> Dump your shit on other people. And let them pay the price for your cheaper product. It, it really is the only way. It is the only, it's the American way. Hey, now, (laughs) talking to a Dutchman, we pioneered some of that, but you were pretty damn good at it, I got to say. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's see. Something else to talk about this week, Uh, you know, bombing Saudi Arabia, stuff like that. Oh, that was fun. Yeah, that was fun. Mm. So I hear you're going to war. Again? Yes. Unbelievable. Or someone tweeted something along those lines. Uh, they just keep pushing it. So what we've got is a bunch of missiles uh, hit uh, like the world's leading Saudi oil refinery, uh, causing some damage, threatening oil markets, threatening oil supply. The U.S. government very quickly is blaming Iran. It's Iran, it's Iran, it's Iran, it's Iran. And mm-hmm. uh, instead of uh, the Houthi rebels who Saudi Arabia is fighting down in Yemen, 
And, why would they have anything to do with it? I don't know why they would have anything to do with it. They were just sitting around the pool. Yeah. Enjoying some Mai Tais while they were sitting there. And then all of a sudden people are like, their phone starts blowing up. Oh. Blaming us. Oh. What the hell? What the fuck? We, we were just enjoying ourselves. <sighs> Damn U.S. So are you going to war? I don't know. I, I'd have to check my Twitter feed. But I hear the reasons were, were awesome. Great reasons. Apparently, uh, President Trump said that he would go to war because Saudi Arabia, <laughs> quote unquote, pays, pays in cash, right? That's what he said. Pays in cash? And Yeah. A- and there was another tweet where he basically said, we are locked and loaded. We are ready to bomb things. We're just waiting for the Saudis to tell us that it's the direction, to, the thing to do. Right. So they actually actively call the shots on your army. There, yeah, right. Uh, apparently, right, right. he's outsourcing presidential authority over war making to the Saudi regime. How else would he have time to golf? I mean, seriously. Yeah, because really, what does Matt? Well, you know, the more he's golfing, he's not doing everything else. That sounds pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Go golfing. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but this. So we're here. We are. We're blaming Iran. U.S. wants yet another war, apparently, with Iran, and I, I just. I don't get this. I, I've talked about this at different times before. So living here in Southeast Asia, as we did, everybody here that can afford it, I guess, goes on a trip to Vietnam. Yeah. It's kind of one of the standard trips from Singapore. It's four-hour flight. Yeah, four-hour flight. Great yeah. country. Very beautiful. Great food. Very friendly people. Incredibly friendly people. Yep. Right? And well, At least to me. I'm, but I'm in America. <laughs> right? And no one likes us. And Right. They treat you just fine, right? And we fought the war there, right? Maiming, bombing, all this kind of stuff. Did all that kind of thing. And people still welcome you in. We've made peace. Factories are there. And now in Iran, obviously, they took our embassy and uh, they held the hostages. But my point is, is we've repaired relationships with countries before. And yet somehow... We're just mired in the Middle East. So when you always say, siding, with, siding with Saudi Arabia. Iran is always the enemy. When you say repair relationships, you mean lost wars with other countries before. Well, right? it starts with the losing of the war. Because, <laughs> I mean, there's a checklist, right? Right, okay. Sorry. Lose war. Yeah, of course. Check. Lose war. Check. Move on. <laughs> Ignore the fact that you've lost the war. Check. Yes. Yes. <laughs> That took us a long time. But, you know, this always contrasts with European governments. And uh, I, I always wonder why Europeans are, are, are just not as bothered by Iran. Maybe we still got hang-ups. I don't know. Maybe you guys know stuff that we don't. I don't know. Th- that's what it is. Yeah, All the probably. good stuff. All, All the, the important stuff. facts, you have those. Yeah. Yeah, we don't have any of those. Right. Uh, yeah. Right. Well, all of this stuff is pretty heavy. We, we're we're going to switch gears, though, to something that's actually kind of positive. So oh. with our uh, alter egos here as, for, the, yeah. as the, the producers of the, the French, French Tech podcast. Uh-huh. Go yes. ahead. Yeah. We were at the Women's Forum, the Asian installment of the Global Women's Forum 2019, and we had the blast covering it for two full days, talking to female CEOs, female board members, founders of companies, successful, inspirational female role models. And, and talking about the, the need and importance of uh, gender diversity in the workplace and in the investment fund. Uh, so it's not just what you do as with your employees and with your board level. It's like getting more investments coming from women into women-based companies in order to take advantage of market opportunities. There were many statistics thrown around, 
and I can't keep them all in my head, but the often cited metric is that there's there's a solid business case for more women-led businesses and more diverse uh, teams leading businesses. They, they tend to outperform male-only businesses. So there's a business case to be made, as well as it just being the right thing. It is the right thing. It is the right thing. But the business case is solid, right? Because apparently you outperform male-only businesses because you see business opportunities and you can respond to market needs that male-only founded companies cannot or are less likely see. to do so, that they wouldn't even see. Yeah. Yeah. So that was yeah. very fascinating. But it's also just the right thing to do. Right. Well, well, you know, it's that whole liberal, you know, uh, Republican, Democratic, Enlightenment project of equality. Right. You know, that whole thing. Oh, we're on board? Okay. Just check. We are. Here. Okay. Yeah. Right. I, okay. I, right. I'm, I'm kind of on board with it. I mean, you know, I want to be more equal than others. Yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah, yeah. that'd be great. As yeah. long as we've got that settled. I'm fine then with I'm all good. that equality bullshit. Then other people can have some stuff too. You Not know, my stuff. Just some of the other stuff that I don't want. Right. 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 Yeah, there were a couple of speakers. <laughs> <laughs> so there were a couple of speakers that... So obviously it was a heavily women audience, right? And it was... Uh, how it was, many men were there? Well, more than you would think. I, I wouldn't care to guess a percentage. Handful? There was us. But it was a big, it was a big there event. Was, it was like yeah. 800 people 800 or something people. like yeah. that. Yeah. Um, and, you know, a lot of the things were like, we've got to take these proactive steps to put women in place and all this kind of thing. And look, here's our defense. We're big fans of this. Actually, our wives, my wife, is in the mm. lead role in our case, right? She's got the full-time job. Yep. She's out there doing this thing. Uh, I split my time between work duties and still taking care of things at home so that supporting her in that role. But how you talk about these things, I think we both walked away with it, matters, which is are we really yeah. targeting equality versus substituting in a pure fashion? Yeah, it's always uh, a little bit tricky. It depends on the words you choose when you talk about it, right? Right, yeah, right, yeah, right. Yeah. At some point, I think there was yeah there, there there was some question of what are you as a as a male doing yeah. to facilitate the success of these women and you should change and commit to change and yeah we were a little bit like no we're not going to change anything right <laughs> in fact why don't we all just treat one another like crap there's nothing to change <laughs> <laughs> right. But there was a lot of talk of the, the unconscious bias in these things, which is absolutely true. Which is absolutely true. true. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. So I would say that we walked out of this both uh, agreeing and disagreeing with some different things. Totally agreeing with the concept of uh, equal treatment and equal opportunity. Um, disagreeing a bit with, you know, now we need some special provisions to get there, right? Mm -hmm. Although I kind of get it. So there was one speaker um, who basically said, look, I'm all for equality, I'm paraphrasing, uh, but until then, we have to kickstart this. So yeah. we are going to have quotas. We are going to have, you will pick the woman for the job if it comes down to two candidates. You will have men and women both, hmm. uh, or your job search isn't done. Um, I guess, maybe, right, in the short term, you need to kickstart some of these things in order to move women up into these leadership roles and change societal expectations and perceptions of women in these leadership roles? I guess there's a strong point to be made that you can't aspire to what you cannot see, some of the speakers suggested, which I guess is true. But these quotas, I have a hard time with these quotas. I, I, I have mixed feelings about them. 
I'm not sure because you because you are 100% going to end up with for, unfortunately less competent competent women that you're hiring ex, ex, explicitly because of the quota. Hmm. Right? Almost almost certainly. You think so? Unless uh, it's just really well th- this is what I have a hard time figuring out figuring out. Is it because people aren't hiring? the competent women that are available, or is it just that for some positions in some fields, they're not available? Like, for mm-hmm. example, I'm so mm-hmm. I back in the days, I was because a psychologist. Because of the historical right? dearth of people going into the field. Right, so back in the days, I was a psychologist. Mm-hmm. If we had imposed quotas for hiring equal percentages of men and women, right, a psychologist, you would never fill those seats. Yeah. So the guys just aren't there. Yeah, right, right, right. right. So what are you right. gonna do? I think there are some fields where, unfortunately, women are still underrepresented. Right. And I, I guess maybe we're not making enough progress on the educational, on the education side and the cultural change side of things. Because that um, is the hope, right? Because that's the thing. The hope is, yeah. is it starts there. Because you need more women in STEM. You need more women in right. science. Right, right, right. Right. And with fewer cultural attitudes toward women being in sciences in STEM, right? Um I have a sister that's in science, and she's been in science for many years now. Uh, and she talks about all of the crap she had to put up with as yeah. she was coming up yeah, I'm sure. to be in that field. So all of that stuff needs to be purged. So there is an individual responsibility component to this on the part of men to purge those kinds of BS attitudes. Yeah. Um, but, man, the moment you start doing the quota thing, it just begs for backlash. That's the part that yeah, scares me. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Is it just begs for backlash. And to just tell dudes to say, don't be like that. I'm not sure it's the right answer, one, and I know it's not a persuasive answer. And it cannot be the final answer. Right. There has to be more. Right. But maybe it but it's a pipeline issue. out over time. It's yeah, a, right. It's a pipeline issue. Right. And I think that's what some of the delegates were trying to get to, is we've got this pipeline yeah. issue. Yeah, so you have so to you treat gotta all populate, of the stages. Yeah, yeah you've got to populate these positions. And if you impose the quotas, at least you create some pool, right? You create some pool from the top. Right, right, right. You know, on a, another issue that Nikolai and I talked a lot about this as we had some downtime was just, um, even like we've been talking about right now, it's your individual responsibility to fix this, right. right? To fix these gender imbalances. It's you changing your individual attitudes. It's you stepping up and taking that harder job. It's it's you just finding maybe a spouse, uh, a male spouse, say, who will take the back seat and and do this stuff. And we talked about how bullshit. <laughs> yeah, it's I, a societal issue. I, I completely issue. disagree. It is a societal issue. If there's no institutions in place, right, that help women become independent and have independent careers, how how the hell are we gonna have any impact with our individual decisions, right? So in France and Holland, for example, it's there are things in place, right? You can get free daycare, where you can drop off your kid in the morning and pick it up after work. I it? probably shouldn't call I it. I like it. the it. <laughs> <laughs> It's all about diversity, people. It, it really but, is. I, I don't know what it is. Just, just call it an it. Diversity matters. I'm not going to assume <laughs> yes. it's gender identity. I'm not going to assume it's noun, Bill. That will be very short See, but there you go assuming that it doesn't have one. Oh, that's a good point. See, maybe you're well, imposing... They, if, they, if they 
after what dropping they it? off, after dropping them off, <laughs> yeah, that's what's what's just the, go with the plural. Go with the plural. <laughs> Shit. There's so no then, way to talk about this. That's it. But there's a way to get free daycare. And in Holland, for example, where I'm from, right, it's very normal for young parents to both start working part-time to share the burden of taking care of the child, which I think is absolutely terrific for everyone. It's great to... For the for the parents, it's great for the kid, right? So if you both work four days a week, that's yeah. a great solution. See, I, and I just I think that's genius. Uh, nothing like that exists, of course, in the U.S. Nothing right. like that, and, and that's a real problem, right? But how does that? So that's a policy response. Has it translated into societal expectations, or absolutely. do people still come in with no, all no, the, absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah? Like many many women thoroughly expect you to start working part time. Oh wow! Check that out. Because you share a responsibility in raising the child. Right, right, right. There's no reason for her and to do all And not just babysitting. Work. Right, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, so it really does drive behavioral change. Ah. And it, facilita- right. it facilitates... Policy can lead yeah. to behavior, can lead to, to cultural change. Right. Yeah. yeah. But all of this, again, is societal. All of this so is societal. So keeping all of this on people and saying it's your problem. It's no well, way. it's like global warming. Right? Yeah. So the way society functions, the rules that we have put in place have led to global warming. All of these rules are economic in nature, are because of capitalism, are because of profit optimization. And now it's my fault that I brush my teeth and leave tap running for 30 seconds. Right. Right. That's not the way it works. Right. So now they're, it's like what you said about or the, the straw issue. Like, yeah. Or the straw issue. Right. Yeah. Okay. We take away the straws. Right. Right. But how, you didn't. Fix. How do I drink my <laughs> my diet? Cup? How does this work? In your hands, you just it, cup your hands. <laughs> it doesn't. You're you're externalizing the blame, right? You're 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 taking a problem that the system has created, and you're externalizing the blame. Like you're externalizing yeah. the cost with the palm oil, right, right? That we mentioned earlier on, and you're putting it on the individuals, on the people. Right. Your shower was thirty seconds too long. You ate meat twice this week. You're ruining this planet. Right. You're destroying our future. No. But, but what about you setting up public policies and, and profit maximization is the highest goal and, and you're causing all these externalities? You don't have anything to do with this? No, 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 no. Because climate you. change isn't real. <laughs> you, right? Well, that's it's the a Chinese conspiracy. Right, right. And along no, worse, it's a, it's a global conspiracy of scientists. Right. And alongside that, it's my fault for ruining the planet. I mean, it just it doesn't make sense, right? Right, right. Because yeah. you got to live in the society. you got to live in the game that's being played. Exactly. So you got to change the rules of the game yeah. to get from A to B. So one other thing at the Women's Forum that came up, uh, there was a demo of uh, a robot. You know more about this robot. Sophia, the robot, very famous robot. Yeah. That, How so? How's it famous? It illustrates apparently the magnificent capabilities of artificial intelligence and how we're all getting ready for general artificial intelligence to emerge and the robots to take over. And it's a toaster on <laughs> wheels, basically. <laughs> I hate this what robot. I hate it. I hate it. Just wait till they swap out her arms with machine guns or something. In that case, I'll love the robot. I'll love her. I'll work for her. <laughs> she can be my new boss. You're just the best robot. You're the best. You're so pretty. You don't look freaky at all. 
<laughs> so what is what is the what what is this what is this thing? So it's being presented, right? So Sophia's robot is being presented on talk shows and at conferences or whatever as an intelligent robot with which you can have an intelligent conversation. You mean like the bleeding edge of what robotics? Yeah. Is is where yeah. is where it's at, and it was basically already ancient technology back in 2014, 15, huh. and it doesn't really do that much. It just sort of generates some speech. It sort of moves around a little bit. It can respond to a couple of questions, but it's like nothing that your phone couldn't do. It's really not that impressive. The most huh. impressive thing is probably the way it moves and the way it sort of interacts with its environment. But it's being sold. It's being marketed almost as an art general artificial intelligence. What do you and mean when you say general artificial intelligence? I don't think people talk about it that way usually. So you have uh, artificial intelligence in terms of software and algorithms, so computer vision, for example, so automatically identifying someone's face when you take a picture, right? That's an example of applied art artificial intelligence to a particular problem. Huh, okay. General artificial intelligence would be that you somehow create a program that is capable of acting independently, autonomously in the world, taking decisions and being generally in intelligent, independent of a problem set, so it can solve many different kinds of problems and solve them on its own volition. I see. Like a okay. human being does, so it can it yeah. becomes truly autonomous. It's out in the world and it just responds to whatever exactly. comes its way. Yeah, whereas the sort of the things that you hear about, like when we solve Go with, 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 with Google and DeepMind and whatnot, it's, it's a very a fixed problem set, right? This program only knows how to play Go better than a human being. It doesn't know how to do anything else. Ah, okay. And to take that sort of limited intelligence that's limited to one problem set to another problem is a very difficult thing called transfer learning, where you can sort of transfer the thing that you've learned on one problem to solving another kind of problem. And humans are what we call, yeah, have general intelligence. So they have an intelligence that they apply to different problem sets that they encounter, that they discover throughout their lives, and that they can learn how to solve. And so the idea would be that a robot having general intelligence, right, could rise to superhuman level performance in almost most uh -huh. everything, right, in most things. Right. And so Sophia is being presented sort of as an example of our progress towards that general artificial intelligence. Or is this basically just a glorified toaster who can <laughs> repeat a couple of phrases? But can she make toast? I mean, can she even make toast? I, I didn't even ask. I, her. I think you're overselling it. I felt the women's forum wasn't the appropriate venue to ask her that question. <laughs> uh, make me a sandwich. Could you? <laughs> that would be great. <laughs> oh, we should have stood up. <laughs> Sophia, could you make me a sandwich? <laughs> I'm really hungry. And only when we're slowly edging toward the door. <laughs> right. No, yeah, but that would have gone over well. But I really dislike this thing because it's the I, I don't dislike the robot, but like dislike the way it's being presented. I think it's 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 not beneficial to the public perception of AI. Although an argument could be made that it's sort of, you know, that it raises awareness, maybe, hmm. of what AI might potentially be able to do one day. But yeah. I think they're strongly overselling it. And well, you saw the reaction, right? When people I wasn't see in the room Sophia for that or when they talk about Sophia, like, oh. Oh, yes, that. Oh. Oh, people all over the conference were like, ah, oh, I can't wait to see it. Yeah, it, was, it doesn't do anything. It's, it's like she. A, it's, it's a she. It's <laughs> <laughs> them. Them. Yeah, sorry, sorry. Couldn't yeah. wait to see them. So I think it's bad for science. I think it's bad for AI. I think it's over-promising, under-delivering. It's, it's wow. marketing. I think it's... I, and, and the people doing the more, I mean, I've, yeah, one could 
I, I'm, I disagree with all of it. And for any of our listeners who need a reminder, this is the, the sweet spot in, in Nikolai's heart. I mean, he was an AI coder and researcher, yeah? Yes, yes. Right. So, I've, so uh, I, I've an, uh, I'm an AI engineer, and I did AI engineering uh, at Siemens Corporate Research in Princeton and at an AI research lab in Amsterdam before I got into other things, startups and whatnot. And podcasting. Um, so, and podcasting. How low have you fallen? <laughs> I'm, it yeah. was all going so well. Upward trajectory, that's for sure. <laughs> You're still waiting for the general intelligence to show up. <laughs> so it's it's sort of a pet peeve when people oversell AI stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hmm. Well, it's um for me. And is this AI Boston Dynamics? Right? Is that? Am I getting the company name right? Yep. Search for like Boston Dynamics robot dogs. That's some scary shit. That I see that Sophia or Sophie up there, look at the way those robots are yep. solving problems on the fly. So they, they've got a couple of different models. One is human formed, another one is dog formed, and they've got videos. This is a very famous robotics company. They're like on the leading edge of autonomous robots that can go out and physically move about the world. And they do things like they, they they work together and open up doors so that they can get through. And the human ones can now get like pushed around by other humans and pick themselves up off the ground. I mean, you add that stuff to general intelligence. That's where I actually start to get worried. Well, it's yeah, 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 yeah. So I would call that robotics more than a, than I would call it artificial intelligence. Is that right? Yeah. Uh, but the robotics problem is extremely difficult to solve, right? So it's quite impressive. Um, and if you add more advanced artificial intelligence, more advanced solutions to operating autonomously and perceiving things and solving problems autonomously in the world to one of those robot dog bodies from Boston Dynamics, it's, then you get stuff straight out of nightmares, right? Yeah, for sure. Immediately you get... And, and that's much scarier than software AI that, that just is intelligent or can reason or can chat with you, right? The, the thing that it's physical that it's embodied, that it's moving around in the oh, world in embodied. a yeah. in a human-like manner, in something that, that looks like a real animal, right? Like yeah. the dogs. It's just freaky, right? It's 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 right in that uncanny valley, right? Where it's where it oh, looks completely. real but not real enough, and it just just freaks you out. Well, and you're right. Like software AI, what's the worst it could do to us? Okay, so it could like ruin the world's economy. Or just Ruin the world's economy. We'd have chaos. I, I my mind launch went to it could launch missiles. the nuclear missiles. So let's bracket nuclear missiles for just one second. <laughs> Short of that, uh, society would collapse. But it's nothing like the robots getting out of the lab and running all over and being able to stab you or shoot you. Well, I think the worst. I think the most dangerous forms of AI are already out there and 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 working twenty four seven. Are you going to say humans? Is there a punchline really, to this? No, I mean uh, automated trading. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Facebook's algorithms for curating your feed to maximize your attention. Yeah, that would be that. I think those are the real examples of things that are destroying our society today that are direct output of AI. Where do you come down on whether we're going to get a handle on this or not? On which one? On, on the application of AI to our society. I, I, would, I would despair. I think I, so I, 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 I'm generally very pessimistic for uh -huh. several reasons. One, because um, 
states and countries and governments are extremely slow acting on this and they have very limited and very outdated understanding most of the times of what's really going on and the incentives even if you create legislation even if you do what san francisco has done recently and ban facial recognition for cameras right the incentive for doing it anyway somewhere else to gain economic or any other kind of advantage over another party is so overwhelming that someone will just do it and someone will just create the technology anyway so mm. and i'm pessimistic for another reason is that what well, first of all i would like to say that we're very very far removed from general artificial intelligence yeah right? very far removed so whoever is saying name it in years happen, yeah i have no idea i don't think there's any okay. reasonable way to predict because i'm looking to invest in those companies so that i can at least be oh, rich yeah. rich for a while i could show you your portfolio oh. <laughs> <laughs> starting a company right now you could <laughs> ah yeah no i don't want to lose my money you're oh. totally misunderstanding oh. this um but also because there are so many more ways to do it to 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 get it wrong huh it's very more ways to get it wrong than there is to get it right. Exactly. Yeah. Ugh. So I think there's many more ways mm. to create an AI that is that has a net negative impact or is dangerous and that gets out of hand than there is to create a safe one. Um, but then again, you know what? As I said, I'm much more worried about algorithmic trading. I'm much more worried about uh, shaping society's opinion through yeah. Facebook and through other social media feeds. Those are the things that I'm much more worried about. Well, and at least those are getting a consistent amount of attention. Maybe not the attention they deserve, but a consistent amount of attention. Yeah, a I consistent mean, amount. Of, yeah. Facebook and all the rest, they're, they're after 2016 and the election and the way they were hacked, essentially. Uh, it's getting a tons more attention than it has ever gotten before. Um, and the trading thing occasionally gets mentioned, but yeah, there's never any regulation that's or because action every, on it. That's because everybody sort of agrees that it wouldn't be a good idea to tell the world that nobody knows what the fuck we're doing yeah well we like the illusion of control right we have economic theories but none of them match reality yeah but our programs do our trading look, look over there <laughs> no but that's what you see like in micro crashes and, and we, we don't know what's going on and we fundamentally don't know what's going on yeah yeah and yeah yeah nobody's talking about well it. the tools are getting ahead of 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 our ability to manage the tools I, I, I and we've been down this route before, right? I mean, nuclear weapons are an apt analogy to bring those back up. I mean, the technology was getting ahead of our ability to contain ourselves, and we pulled back from the brink. So, you know, Did we, we? we haven't nuked ourselves yet. Did we? Uh, well, it's still an open case. I mean, I don't know. Maybe next week it's least, all done. Well, at least they're not autonomous, right? The nuclear weapons? Yeah. yeah. They're always walking around the streets. <laughs> all i know is as an american i should be able to carry a nuclear weapon out in the open yeah. into a walmart yeah because if something goes wrong you need good guys with a nuclear weapon <laughs> exactly <laughs> all right have we run the course here maybe yeah this was pretty optimistic this was yeah we got we need something this was an upbeat episode you know i i always i started throwing this in because we needed something happy at the end oh thank you bill so <laughs> So this is my new my new aesthetic for Let's this. Let's just go have coffee. Let's grab a coffee. Now. I think so. So you know we what? Get out of here. Since we can't come up with the happy note, we're just going to give you this. Thanks for listening to the Foreign Influence Podcast. Please subscribe uh, we in your favorite podcasting app. And uh, we're going to be 
producing more material from here on out. So thanks for listening. Thanks, Doc Singh.